0: We are going to be wrapping up our resurrection series this morning on Easter, and this is kind of a little bit different Easter for all of us, I believe. And uh, as I was preparing for the message and what God has placed upon my heart through His Word, um, I began praying, particularly on Wednesday and more on Thursday, about, God, what do you, how do I begin this message with all that's going on and all the things that have changed just in this last week? And it's funny how God speaks to me at times uh, because i woke up really early on friday and when i say woke up early i'm a morning person but i woke up even earlier than i normally do on friday morning and i woke up with a couple or a few passages on my mind to begin this morning um, that i think is going to help set us up for our focus uh, to conclude our resurrection series the first passage comes from matthew chapter five or chapter six verse 33 and it says but seek first the kingdom of god And his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the context of that verse is Jesus is telling us not to be anxious and not to worry about tomorrow, but instead to focus on today. And as we focus on today, to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all the things that we can worry about are going to be taken care of because God is going to provide. And it's just a, a message for me because I. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna to bring. I don't know what next week's gonna bring. It seems like things are changing almost every single week and sometimes every single day. So what I can do is right now is I can control what I'm going to do and how I'm gonna to respond to that and just seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. The other passage comes out of Proverbs chapter three and we used it during our commit series when we started 2020 and it says, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him And he will make straight your paths. And again, we can't control tomorrow or the next day or the next week or the next 30 days, but we can control right now. And so, right now, even though we're in the midst of a lot of uncertainty uh, and a lot of frustration, maybe a lot of worry and anxiety and stress, uh, to trust God. You know, God wasn't taken by surprise by any of this that's going on but to trust the Lord with all of our heart, to not lean on our own understanding, because when we start leaning on our own understanding, that's when we start to worry and stress and have fear. But God tells us not to have fear, not to be afraid, um, and to acknowledge Him in all our ways. Uh, and everywhere we go, everything we do, to acknowledge that He is God and He is in control of the situation, and the promise is that He will make our paths straight. Now, I, I don't believe any of us Perceived four and a half months ago, as we were wrapping up 2019 and preparing for 2020, what was going to happen in the next couple months? I, I know, I doubt it was anybody's prayer for this to be going on that our normal routines and schedules would be uh, interrupted. Uh, but God knew; God was fully aware. Uh, my heart goes out to the seniors. Uh, just I love what I saw with the turnout uh, this week for just celebrating the seniors and what they've accomplished. Uh, through their, their high school career and their, their scholastic career. Uh, but my heart goes out to them. Uh, I can't imagine the frustration you all are feeling, uh, the disappointment you're having, the, the questions of why is this going on and what's the point of everything. But know this, you, you don't know what's gonna happen next week or the next couple of no- months, but when we seek God and we trust God and we acknowledge Him and we lean on His understanding, He's gonna take care of us. And so you may have questions about that next step and, and how is that going to work out, whether that's college or military or vocation or, or whatever that is. Know that God is the one that opens the doors. God is the provider, and God will get you to where he needs you to be. I'm also heartbroken for those who have lost loved ones during this time and have had to postpone services for them and not be able to have that time of closure. And just want to remind us as a church family, be praying for those individuals for those individuals who are preparing to get married and have had to postpone their wedding as they were anticipating and being excited for that next step of life, of of celebrating that life together and that relationship of marriage, and to keep those individuals in our prayers. And and also be praying for our our school faculty, our teachers, and those who work at the school, the administration. Uh, I don't know what you parents think, but I I work or live with a teacher, and I know she was just devastated with the news that came out on Thursday about schools not being able to gather again physically and to continue the distance learning. She was looking for the day to, to see her kids one last time and, and to hug them and smile and laugh with them and talk with them and see how they're doing. I know there's other teachers and faculty members that are going through the same thing. and uh, Just be in prayer for those uh, in these situations that are going on. And in the midst of this, not to be consumed about what's going to happen next you know, we didn't know when 2020 started. This was going to happen, but God knew. God knew this was going to happen. It's not to take God by surprise, and and so just continue to focus on Him, to seek after Him, to trust in Him, to acknowledge Him, to uh, lean on His understanding. Uh, I'm sure, like like me, a lot of you have probably digested a lot more news than you normally have in the last couple of weeks. And we're hearing of the death tolls and the future predictions of how life is going to change and, or may change and after all this is over. And it's really hard to swallow. It's easy to get drugged down by it all. But the Bible says not to be anxious, to trust God. And so despite our heavy losses, despite uh, all the things going on, we have been given victories. Just think about the last couple of weeks we've been given great opportunities for families to reconnect and to re-establish what is actually important in the life of a family in the life of a marriage in the life of a relationship a lot of us aren't running to ball fields and to sporting complexes like we normally do and, and i love sports and my kids are involved in those things but we're staying home in the evenings and we're being together as families we're Able to play games and watch movies and have activities together. We aren't heading out to the stores to buy things that we probably don't really need, and so we've been given this great opportunity in this time to come together and to become stronger. And so, I mean, let's be honest: there's not a whole lot of new news on the news. I mean, they keep talking about the same thing over and over again, and so it gives us that opportunity to turn off the TV and have conversations. And so, I want to encourage you to, as a family, to Spend time together and to, and to, to have conversations with one another and to read the Bible together and to share this time that we've been given by God. Because despite all of our uncertainty, we are actually living in a time of victory. This is what Easter reminds us of. Though we are uncertain about what's to come, God is certain. And though we are in the midst of what appears to be bad news, God has given us good news. And though there's a lot of unknown, we are known by the God who knows all. Because of Easter and because of the resurrection, even though things aren't going the way we planned or prayed for or even expected to happen, there's still victory. And this victory isn't just a time to celebrate for the future, but the Bible lets us know that this victory is something that we live in the present. And that's what we're going to be dealing with this morning in our passage as we look at the victorious resurrection We're once once again going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 50 here in a second, and we're going to be reading through the end of the chapter, which is through verse 58. And so if you want to make your way there, 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It comes after the book of Romans and before 2 Corinthians. And this is how we're going to wrap up our resurrection series uh, this morning on Easter. Before we begin, I want you to say this. I am living in the victory. Go ahead and say that. Your kids are watching. I am living in the victory. And so let's read this passage and see how this statement is true. Beginning in verse 50, the word of the Lord says, I tell you this, brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Before we can understand the victorious resurrection and how we are living in the victory and being prepared for eternal victory, we must first understand the conflict. Look there in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Christ resurrected from the grave but here's the conflict we will not resurrect with christ unless we are united to christ and so paul is wrapping up his instructions on the resurrection through this declaration he says that flesh and blood there in verse 50 the term flesh and blood is speaking of the physical it's speaking of our bodies just go ahead and pinch yourself or maybe pinch the person next to you if you want to be a rebel and break the social distancing clause. But you can see that, you can feel that. We have physical bodies. We are flesh and blood. We have human bodies which are subject to death and sin. I don't know if you've seen the recent movies, uh, Jumanji movies that have come out, and I, I don't know if I would classify them as all family friendly, but they're definitely comical and entertaining. Well, in, the, in the newer movies... The characters are put into a Jumanji video game, in which they are to take on different characters within the video game. And each character has a set of strengths and a set of weaknesses, and this is what kind of makes the movie entertaining to watch. For instance, one particular character has a weakness of strength. He has a weakness of cake, so if he eats cake or is a round cake, that takes one of his three lives away. He has a weakness of speed. There's another character within the video game who has a weakness of endurance, heat, sun, and sand. And in the second movie, they find themselves in a desert. And so he is going through this and his weaknesses are beginning to come out. And It makes for a very comical scene and a a very entertaining movie at the least. The Bible is telling us that we have weaknesses. As strong, as healthy, or as fit as we may be, our weakness is our flesh and blood. It is our earthly bodies, which stinks because this is the only body that we have. But as we talked about last week, these bodies, even though they are slowly dying and they're corrupted by sin, which leads to death, the Bible reminds us that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the Bible is letting us know there's a way to remedy our weakness. So how do we remedy the conflict of our weakness? Well, that's the bad news. We can't. But here's the good news. God did. In Hebrews, we read in chapter 2, verse 14 through 15, Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself, now speaking of Jesus Christ, likewise partook of the same things, that through death... He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death were subject to slavery. Again, he himself is Jesus Christ, our Savior. God understood that our conflict, he understood our weakness and sent his son Jesus to take on flesh and blood, our weakness, to become like us to the point of death. But Easter and our gatherings on Sundays, our future gatherings, I promise we're going to have future gatherings, our times when we gather for worship is not a celebration of Christ's death, but rather it's a celebration of Christ's resurrection and his power over death, over our weakness, over our flesh and blood. That's what we celebrate when we come to Easter. But while we're stuck in this body which cannot inherit the imperishable, God stepped in and he made a way by faith to remove the conflict of our sinful bodies through the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible reveals that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's from Ephesians chapter 2. The word trespass means to commit an offense toward another. And here's where we're guilty. We are all guilty of committing an offense before the one true God, the holy God. And we all are to be held accountable for that trespass. This is who we were in our flesh and blood. And maybe you're listening here this morning and and you need to hear this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, we read, And you... This may be the most important aspect of the message, and no, the message is not done yet. But if you've placed your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of Colossians is you, you were dead, but now you, God has made you alive in Christ. And nothing, not a virus, not war, not famine, not plague, can change what God has done for us because nothing can separate us from the love of God found through Jesus Christ. 2020 may have brought uncertainty, but we can be certain of what God has done through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in it, and this is Easter. Yet if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, if you have not accepted his sacrifice for your sins and his resurrection from the dead, the Bible says that you are still living in the physical and cannot be a part of the spiritual or the eternal or the immortal. But that can change today by receiving God's gift of love found through Jesus Christ, by accepting Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you need to do this, then I beg you to pray, Lord, I am a sinner, and I am in need of your forgiveness. I believe your Son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins and rose again that I can be forgiven. And I accept him now as my Lord and Savior. If you've prayed that prayer today, I encourage you to reach out to me. If you've prayed that prayer or something like it at some point in time, then the rest of this message, I hope, encourages you. Because as a believer, we live in the victorious transformation. Look in verse 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When you read the word behold in Scripture, it should immediately grab your attention to what is going to follow next. The word behold means to listen carefully. Paul is led by the Spirit to basically write, listen up. I have something to tell you which cannot be known apart from God's special revelation which he has given to me to deliver to you. In other words, what Paul is saying here and for the rest of this chapter should receive our full attention. The word sleep there in 51, 51 is a term that Paul uses frequently in referring to believers who have died, who have, who have gone on. He used it earlier in the chapter by saying fallen asleep. It is a symbol that when believers die, They go into a state of rest and a state of peace. Paul says that not all believers are going to die, but all believers are going to be changed. They are going to be transformed. This is alluding to the verses we looked at last week in verses 35 through 49. At some point in time, and only the Father knows, all those who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ for for their salvation, forgiveness of sins, will be changed. And here's the beauty of this change. This change is going to be instantaneous. I saw in the news this last week that they're predicting this time period is going to be known as quarantine 15. And it's similar to the freshman 10. If, if you have a college student or you've been to college, you know that's an idea that when you go to college that first year as a freshman, you're going to put on 10 pounds. What, well, they believe that many Americans and people across this world are going to put on at least 15 pounds during this time that we're called to stay at home and to be quarantined. And so, I don't know, in the next 30 or 40 or 60 days, we are all going to be changed in some way. Some of us may have to go use that stimulus check that the government's going to send you to go buy some new wardrobe because you have tighter pants and shirts that no longer fit. I do know that there's some in our church family who are taking this time to focus on their health and focus on their nutrition. And so, some of y'all are going to come out looking a lot smaller and different than we remember you being about 30 days ago. Some of y'all, as soon as this thing lifts... You're going to be calling up your hairstylist because some of that wisdom has begun to show on the top of your scalp. The reality is we are all changing during this period of time. But the beauty of the resurrection of the believers and the return of Christ is that this isn't going to be a slow change, but a dramatic, instantaneous change. Change. It's going to resemble our salvation when we, when we were instantly, instantaneously transformed from sinner to saint, from enemy of God to child of God. Paul is led by the Spirit to announce a great transformation to come, and it will be marked by a trumpet. Jesus made a similar statement in Matthew 24 when he was speaking about the end times. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read, "For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first." The use of trumpet in scripture is used for many different means. It was used to represent the day of the Lord, the coming of God and being in his presence. It was used as a call for war and attack. And the reality is there is going to be a final battle. But Revelation tells us this battle is going to be over as soon as it begins. Some of y'all know that I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm also a huge Middle Earth fan. And so some of y'all may think I'm a geek and God bless you. I don't, it didn't really bother me. I love those movies. But in the final movie of The Lord of the Rings, it's called Return of the King, we're given this image which captures this triumphant and final battle. If you're not familiar, let me just set the stage. The heroes of the movie and the story are all trapped inside the last stand of this castle, and the enemy has sieged the city. It's looking bleak for the heroes. They're waiting for a light to come and a, a glimmer of hope, but the end is looking near. And then the king returns, and he returns with his army. And what seemed like an insurmountable foe for the heroes in, in the story... Becomes overwhelmed by the king and his army as they just roll over the enemy as if they're not even there. They show how powerless they truly are to his authority. And this is what Jesus Christ is going to do when he returns. The king is coming soon. And he comes with his army that is going to roll over the powers and authorities of this world as if they didn't even have any power or authority. He is going to show that we, by our faith in Jesus Christ, are on the winning team. And I think we need to remember that during these days. Because of Easter, because of our faith in the resurrected Christ, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes our way, we win. We win. I am living in the victory. We may experience losses in life, but let's look at it more like a penalty in a football game. Typically, <laughs> typically a penalty does not decide the outcome of a football game. It's more of a setback. And so we are living in a life where we may have setbacks, but this is what we know. We are victorious in the end. So we are not to be anxious. We are to trust in the Lord because God, the God of the heavens and the earth, the God who will judge all living beings, has recruited us to the winning team, the victorious team. This passage also tells us something for our current life. Change is necessary and change is essential. As we wait for the kingdom of God to fully be established, we are in the midst of a victorious transformation which is to be happening daily. The sound of the trumpet is a reminder that we are to be living triumphantly even in these dark days. It's a reminder that while we live today, we must allow God to continually transform our hearts and minds from where they are to where He needs them to be so we can be instruments of His righteousness. The mystery of what is to come is to call for us to live in expectancy for the King, Christ Jesus' his return. Meaning we are to do our part to make sure that we are ready individually, but also to do our part to make sure that those that we love are ready when Jesus Christ returns. And so we do this by living the victorious gospel. Look in verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The beauty of the gospel that we have accepted is it not only secures our future, but it allows us to live in the victory in our present. Christ has taken away the sting of death. That phrase swallowed up at the end of verse 54 is a metaphor to describe the complete destruction of an overwhelming force. And so though we live in this body which wrestles with sin, the power of sin has been completely destroyed because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Christ has revealed the power of sin is uncontestable compared to the power of the resurrection. This means no matter what we are facing, no matter the battles we go through, no matter the sins we are struggling with, no matter the worries which might come and consume our minds, they are nothing compared to the complete power and authority of Jesus Christ because of his resurrection and the promise of our future future resurrection. So even though while we are still in this tent, meaning our body, we groan, being burdened, that we would not be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, he who has prepared for us this, is, this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So because of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 says, We are always of good courage. Isn't that a word we need? To always be of good courage, despite what is going on because of our faith in Christ. We are to always be of good courage. Death does not have the final say over our lives because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Death is merely a sting. It's like a a bee sting or a mosquito bite. It's apparent, it's annoying, sometimes hurts, but it doesn't have the final say. Death's sting has been taken by Christ because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And because of Jesus' obedience to God, God has destroyed the effects of death and its overshadowing fear upon our hearts. At least that's what our faith in Christ is meant to produce. Our victory, though, isn't in ourselves or what we can do. Our victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ there in verse 57. Meaning that we are completely relying upon Christ for our salvation. So we are to be completely relying upon Christ in living out our salvation. And in doing this, we live the victorious life. Look in verse 58. Therefore, beloved, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Notice there are three commands which Paul has led to give us to live out the victorious life. The first is to be steadfast. It means to be strong in the faith, to stand firm for what we believe in and know. It is a call to be solid and to remain on the rock. Jesus told us there are going to be storms that come in life. We are, in fact, living in one of those storms. But because our faith is upon the rock, we shall not be moved. We shall not be destroyed. The second command is synonymous with the first, to be immovable. This pandemic has moved a lot of us, and our comings and goings have changed. It has moved our schedules. It has moved our regular activities. But this pandemic does not have any power over our faith and living in faith. So we are to live by faith and in our faith to be unshakable, even when things around us seem to be shaking to the ground. No matter what the news says, no matter how bad things get, we are not to allow anything to move us from the assurance that we have in Christ and the security of our salvation. You may think we're waiting for the stay-at-home order to be lifted, but the reality as believers, we're waiting for something greater. We're waiting for Jesus Christ to call us home. The final command is to be abounding in the work of the Lord. The word abounding means to excel enthusiastically, I had a laugh this week because just a couple of weeks ago, our, our kiddos and, and your kiddos began doing this distance learning, and I began seeing some of y'all's posts uh, through social media about how your kids were so excited and enthusiastic, enthusiastic when they woke up that first morning and they grabbed their computers or their, their little tablets and they began doing their schoolwork right away, ate breakfast and just jumped right on it, and, and, and then we did to this week. And this week, I see posts of parents saying how they had to drag their kids out of bed and make, make them sit down at the table and do their work and not allowing them to do other things until their schoolwork is done. So the enthusiasm has begun to die down. I fear as long as this continues for the next couple of weeks, we may have a Lord of the Flies situation in some of your homes. When this began, our kids were excited. They were enthusiastic about this new opportunity and this new challenge. As time has gone on, that enthusiasm has begun to fade. Many of our our kids are wondering, are they going to get to see their friends again? And it kind of mirrors what we can do in our relationship with Christ. When we came to Christ, many of us were excited. We were enthusiastic about the opportunity and what just happened in our life and how He had changed us, how we were saved, how we were completely forgiven. But as time has gone on and years have passed, some of us begin to wonder, when is He going to come back? What is the point of all this? We begin to struggle in our faith. All of us, pastors included, all of us are in danger of going through spiritual valleys. They're going to happen. But this is why we're commanded in Scripture to always abound in the work of the Lord, to always excel in what we do for the eternal kingdom of God. God is still at work in this world. He is still wanting to use us for His eternal glory. No, though we can't meet physically, God is still using Harvest Hill Baptist Church, his bride, for his glory. He is still doing ministry and mission through this church. So this isn't a time for us to become lackluster in our work for the Lord simply because we aren't gathering together physically. Rather, it is a time for us to be consistent and constantly, enthusiastically giving and abounding in the work of God. This pandemic does not stop or release us from being Christ's ambassadors. Why? Because we know that this virus and nothing else in this world has the final say over our life. Christ does. So we do this because we know that all that we do, no matter the circumstances, our labor is not in vain. Which ties this to the way Paul used it earlier in this chapter. We continue to do the work of God because it is not in vain. And in doing so, we reveal to the world that we have not believed in vain, verse 2. And that God's grace toward us was not in vain, in verse 10. And that our preaching of the gospel, our message of hope to the world, is not in vain, verse 14. And our faith, despite our current circumstances, is not in vain, verse 14 again. You may be feeling like so many things are meaningless right now. You may even ask, what is the point of all this? But in Christ, everything we do individually, corporately, and in the world for the kingdom of God is never meaningless, pointless, or in vain. God has given us, his people, a great opportunity to show this world there is a message of hope which will always stand true. The point is this our salvation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has given us the means to have an impact in all that we do and all who we encounter. This is Easter. Easter is about victory. I'd like to listen to these words, which may sound familiar to many of you. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. And then I repented of my sins, and I won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians delivers us an incredible message of victory and hope. It reveals, yes, death remains. But death remains because sin remains. And sin remains because God's law remains. But victory remains because Christ remains. And because Christ remains, the work remains in in us and through us. What victories have you experienced in your relationship with God these last couple weeks? What victories are you hoping to experience in the next couple weeks in your relationship with God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us live in the victory we have been given through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Maybe you're listening to this message and you need to be a part of this victory. I'd like to return to the prayer I mentioned earlier. If you have yet to place your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are still dead in your sins, in your trespasses. You are still in the physical and you cannot inherit the spiritual, immortal, or eternal kingdom of God. But that can change today by receiving God's gift of love found in Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you need to do this, then I beg you to make this your prayer. Dear God, I am a sinner. I am in need of your forgiveness. I believe your Son, Jesus, died for my sins and rose again that I can be forgiven and I am accepting him as my Lord and Savior today if you pray that prayer please reach out to me Pastor Mike at Harvesthill.com, or you can find me on Facebook as Mike Hurchin and send me a message I'd love to talk with you, you can make a comment at the bottom of this video I know to reach out with you and encourage you and, and help you continue in this relationship you've now begun knowing you may be alone right now, you may be with family and friends, but know that the heavens erupted when you lifted up that prayer. Brothers and sisters, Christ, we are living in the victory because of Easter. I hope you have a wonderful Easter with the family you have around you. Make sure to reach out to your family members and let them know you love them as well. Let them know that they're living in the victory. Remind yourself that I'm living in the victory all because of Jesus Christ. And i like to finish our time together in a time of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us and taking care of us. Thank you for being our God who never changes, who knows all things, who controls all things, who is over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. The heavens declare your glory. And Father, we bow before your holiness. We bow before your wisdom. Father, we know that everything is according to your will and you have a plan even for this situation and that you're working it out for your good and ultimately our good. So, Father, help us to trust you. Help us to seek you. Help us to rely upon you and lean upon you. Knowing that you are never going to leave us or forsake us, even though we go through valleys, you're right there with us. Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you for the victory you've given us, not only in our eternity, but, Lord, the victory we are living in right now. Father, I pray that this day be a day that you be raised up and glorified, that your kingdom will come in our life, in our family's life, that your will would be done. I pray that you take your word and your message, and, Father, your spirit will use it for your glory and your kingdom. And, Lord, forgive us if we have failed you. But, again, thank you for allowing us to be together, even if it's through this medium. And, Father, we pray that you come and either take us home or you come and remove this pandemic so we can gather once again, which we know is good for our souls. And praise on in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.